Our gospel reading for today comes from Matthew chapter 16. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Jesus said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he sternly ordered the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Dear friends in Christ, grace and peace to you from God, our creator, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. We're going to start with a little a fun little quiz today. Uh, there's no prizes or anything if you get it right, but you can just feel extra good, I guess, about yourself. So here is a question. What do the following professions have in common? Human resources, teacher, life insurance salesperson, nonprofit fundraiser, public speaker, customer service representative, social worker, counselor, gastroenterologist. <laughs> you didn't see that last one coming, did you? All right, anyone want to guess what these have in common? You can say it out loud. They all have jobs to help people. They all have jobs to help, they all help people. <laughs> they all deal with unfortunate waste. I don't know, yeah, that's a... Um, they, <laughs> they all have a gut feeling about someone. That was well played, Julie, yeah. So these are all real responses given by pastors when asked the following question. What do you say when you are sitting next to someone on an airplane and they ask what you do for a living? <laughs> my favorite one, which I didn't give you, my favorite one was, I subcontract for a carpenter. <laughs> I'm totally gonna steal that. Yeah, that's a good one. All right. You can probably imagine why Trapped in a metal tube for some number of hours, pastors don't always want to tell the truth about what they do for a living. Personally, on planes, I have found myself in discussions about the end times, uh, the general uselessness of religion, many stories about why the person sitting next to me doesn't go to church anymore, or perhaps, perhaps my least favorite inquiry, so what do you actually do all day? Oh. But I'm sure that it's not just pastors who are at least tempted to offer alternative careers to strangers on airplanes. Maybe physicians who don't want to hear about people's extensive medical problems or histories. Lawyers who don't want to get asked for free legal advice. Even teachers who don't want a long lecture about the state of the American education system. If you just want to sit quietly and listen to an audiobook, you might be tempted to offer a conversation stopper instead of a starter. 
I suspect, though, that underneath the apprehension about admitting to strangers on an airplane that you work at a church is more than just avoiding a possibly awkward conversation. You don't have to be a pastor on an airplane to know that religion in general, and Christianity in particular, has a reputation problem. I mean, do you want to tell anybody, on an airplane or not, that you are a Christian? How do you feel about using words like Bible, worship, church, belief, even Jesus? Are you ever worried that those words and ideas and traditions have gathered so much baggage that you have to prepare a defense for yourself before you say anything out loud? Have you ever said to somebody, but I'm not that kind of Christian? I'm quite sure you're not the only one. Over the past few weeks, a number of you, just completely separately from each other, have sent me articles you've read with titles like, I used to be Christian, but I'm not anymore. Or, Christianity has a branding problem. Or, Christianity in crisis. It's not a secret (laughs) that organized religion, especially the mainline Protestant church, which we're a part of, Lutherans, Methodists, Episcopalians, Presbyterians, that that tradition has been in numerical decline for a long time. In general, Americans are less religious. In the 1990s, about 5% of Americans would say they didn't have a religious tradition. That number now is about 30%. You might hear those group of people referred to as the nuns, which it's important to get the spelling right, N-O-N-E-S. N-U-N-S, different group of people, right? N-O-N-E-S are the people who check none on a survey when asked about their religious tradition. About 40 million Americans used to attend church, but just don't anymore. Now, that's just the landscape. I'm not complaining about it or bemoaning it or criticizing anyone who has left or struggles with being part of a church tradition. Christianity has undoubtedly caused harm of all kinds. Religious institutions are human gatherings of people, and humans are flawed, imperfect folks who hurt each other on a regular basis. When we hurt each other in the name of God, you can hardly be surprised that people have some serious doubts about God or about the people who claim to know the will of God. Add to that a pandemic, which disrupted pretty much every pattern any of us have ever had, including connecting to worship or to a a church. And you have really the perfect storm for exactly the decline that we see now. So here's another question for you. What words would you use to describe Christianity's public reputation today? You can say them out loud. Judgmental. Tarnished. Oh, that's an interesting one. Fragmented. I can't, I'm sorry. Sorry, that again. Narrow. Narrow. Oh, interesting. Classist. Classist. Small-minded. Well, this is going well, isn't it? (laughs) I'm not surprised. I mean, the first word that came out of someone's mouth at the 8 o'clock service was lousy, right? Um, 
it's a mixed bag. There are positive things, but there are a lot of negative things that we struggle with. I think part of the, the gift of the gospel reading we just heard today is that it reminds us that's always been the case. Even when Jesus is curious about this question, when he asks people, what's my public reputation out there? What are people saying? And the disciples report back in, you know, what's the word on the street? They summarize what they know and what they've heard, which is basically people trying to figure out how Jesus could be a repeat of something from the past. Maybe he's John the Baptist, who was recently executed by King Herod. Maybe he's Elijah, the Old Testament prophet whose return was supposed to be a sign of the Messiah. Or maybe he's some other prophet. He says a lot of stuff very similar to the Old Testament prophets. All of those are great. They have some good connection to who Jesus is, but they're not exactly accurate. So then Jesus asks his friends, all right, well, what are you saying about me? And although sometimes the story comes off like a demand for a personal confession, right? Jesus wants them to say, you are my Lord and Savior. It's really more Jesus asking this group of people what they're adding to that public conversation. So when people talk about me out there, what are you contributing to that? The question is addressed to all the disciples, although it's Peter who responds on their behalf. And he says, you're the Messiah. You're the Son of God. You're something old, but also something new. So what this tells us, at least part of what it tells us, is that from the beginning, the word on the street about Jesus, his public reputation, has been full of both truth and half-truth and total inaccuracy. If we worry that we live in a world where the tradition around Jesus is often misused or misrepresented, even slandered, then that's just part of how it's always been. People are always getting Jesus wrong. Some of us, all of us, have contributed to conversations about him that are half true, sort of wrong, and partially good. (laughs) That problem just seems to come with the territory. We often come to the Bible wondering, with a problem like this, then what do we do? Faced with this less than ideal public reputation of Christianity faced with inaccuracies about Jesus in the world in a time when Christianity is misrepresented and sometimes even used, misused in blatant attempts to gain power and control, what do we do? What should we do when people use the name of Jesus not only to excuse but to support racism Sexism, classism, cruelty to immigrants or refugees, hatred of the queer community, taking away the rights to bodily autonomy for women, all the way to waving flags with Jesus' name on them while breaking into the National Capitol building. Just one of those things would be enough to make you run from the name of Jesus, not to mention all of them happening at the same time. For better and for worse, and and like is often the case, the gospel does not have a list of instructions for us about what to do in case of of fire break glass, (laughs) 
That's not how it works. But we can pick up some things. One, the gospel does assure us that mistakes about who Jesus is and what he's up to are quite normal and to be expected. The seriousness of them may vary, but we shouldn't be surprised by it, nor should we be discouraged. Quite the opposite, actually. The story also gives us the freedom to confess the best we can in the words we have what we trust and believe about the God we meet in Jesus, like Peter did. Just say it out loud. Offer the best we know. I, th- I think we think you're the Messiah, Jesus. But Peter's response also carries with it a bit of a warning. Jesus says to him, that's great, you're right, Peter. I can build on that. We can go with that. But don't get too self-righteous about it because that answer doesn't belong to you. That answer is a gift from God. Hold our confessions lightly. Don't puff ourselves up because we feel like we got it right. The story is clear that faith Speaking about faith, acting in the name of our faith, isn't just a private thing. It's a part of public life. We've all been tempted, like a pastor on an airplane, to deal with Christianity's brand crisis by just not using the word Christian for yourself. Stop talking about Jesus or church. Because honestly, there are times when you just don't have it in you to apologize for 2,000 years of mistakes. But stepping away from those words, those traditions, those patterns, those ideas that have shaped us and formed us for generations, it just, it just gives those powerful tools into hands that want to cause fear and damage with them. Staying quiet does contribute to harm. When there are opportunities to proclaim in our words and our actions that God's love revealed to us in Jesus is compassionate and challenging and inclusive, then we need to take a deep breath and act. Will we make mistakes? Absolutely. Remember, take heart. This is about the only time in the Gospels that Peter gets anything right. And immediately after this story, he tries to talk Jesus out of his own suffering and death, something that Jesus has just said is a really important part of what he's here to do. And then Jesus calls Peter Satan right to his face. So there are ups and downs for everyone. Don't let possible mistakes paralyze you. And last, remember, this story is not only about who Jesus is. It's not only about a world in which Jesus' reputation might not be the best. Jesus asks twice about his identity. Who do people say that I, the Son of Man, am? Who Who do you say that I am? But then he makes a proclamation about who we are. Blessed are you. Blessed are are you when you stumble to find the right words. Blessed are you when you get it only half right. Blessed are you when you just try. Mistakes, imperfections, foolishness. 
we're still called to be a blessing in this beautiful and broken world and a blessing in the name of Jesus. We're not always going to get it right. We might really blow it on an airplane. (laughs) But it matters that we try. And then we get up tomorrow and try again. Amen.